Hi, my name is Will Weezy, and this is My Life Wildlife. I'm the assistant manager at Sell Oak National Wildlife Refuge. A lot of my job is dabbling in everything that the refuge does, the biological program, the outreach program, the facilities and maintenance programs, and assisting our experts in those programs with their jobs and making sure they can get done what they're um, experts at. So I grew up in, in Wisconsin and uh, got into fishing when I was a little kid and loved fishing. It was my favorite thing until I turned about 17 and then, then I really got into hunting and hunting became my favorite thing. And, you know, I graduated high school and I thought, college, what's that for? Really all I want to do is go fish and go sit in the woods. And I was lucky. I had parents that really pushed me to go to college and, and took the pressure off and said, you don't got to go to get some career somewhere if you don't want. Just go for the experience. Go for a little while even, flunk out if you have to, but uh, you're not going to get that chance again. And so I did, and it was awesome. I had a great experience, and I muddled my way through four years of college, got a biology degree because I kind of liked fish and wildlife and plants and stuff, but didn't really specialize in anything. And, and got out of college and, and went to work as a fishing guide and a canoe guide. And I ran a business and, and sort of life happened. And I landed actually in upstate New York. I was working three jobs, one of which was in a basement cubicle. And I'd sit in that basement cubicle for six to eight hours a day, staring at screens, staring at spreadsheets. I found out that there's a maximum number of rows in an Excel spreadsheet, and I hit it, right? And that's all I do all day is organize data. At that same time, you know, I'd said I, I'd gotten into hunting. I'd really gotten into waterfowl hunting, ducks and geese, and I'd, I'd gotten a duck dog, and I'd trained this dog. So anyway, there I was working, working three jobs, one of which was just pretty awful, cooped up inside all day. And on my morning drive to work one day, I looked up and there was flock after flock of Canada geese flying high overhead and they were all flying north. And it was December. And I was perplexed. It was snowing. It was like the first storm of the year. Why all the geese were in high Vs flying north when they should be flying south for the winter? And, and also, I was frustrated because on a day like that, when every goose I saw was flying, I should have been out goose hunting. It would have been the best day of the year to be goose hunting, and I was going to my basement cubicle. So like a good employee, I got to work, and instead of doing my job, I went on Google and thought, I need to change. So I Googled duck job, and the first two things that popped up were a couple of volunteer opportunities in Alaska. And I hadn't really given a lot of thought to go into Alaska before, but thought duck job, Alaska, Alaska sounds cool. It's far from this cubicle. And right there that day, I threw together a resume and sent it up to the email contacts in Alaska. Like, you know, a couple of my other passions, it seemed like I could really, really get into in Alaska. One, one of which was sheep hunting. I'd been on one sheep hunt in Idaho. I'd hunted for 10 days and never saw a sheep. But after that experience, being in the mountains, hiking around, just living off my back for 10 days, I was hooked on sheep hunting and I wanted to do it again. Well, it turns out to sheep hunt, you gotta draw a sheep tag. And in the Western United States where bighorn sheep live, you can put in for lottery tags year after year after year and never draw a tag. And uh, so when I when I saw this opportunity in Alaska, I thought, huh, I wonder, I wonder how you can go sheep hunting in Alaska. How, how likely it is I could get a tag. And I Googled it and it basically said, 
you need to have a guide to go sheep hunting in Alaska if you're a non-resident. And I Googled, you know, guided sheep hunts and the price tags were anywhere between 20 and $30,000. And I thought, I make $22,000 a year right now. I'm probably not going to be able to afford this sheep hunt in Alaska. And I said, what, you know, how much is it for a resident hunt? And it was, I think, 40 bucks. And I thought, huh, I bet I can move to Alaska, find a job where I make $22,000 a year and in a year be a resident there and go sheep hunting. So that was another big sort of deciding factor for me moving to Alaska. So anyway, within, within a week of me Googling duck job, I had an offer to come be a volunteer on a project in Alaska working with ducks. I knew about ducks and geese from hunting them, but I didn't know anything about duck research. I didn't know anything about the Fish and Wildlife Service either, but I did know about driving boats. I, I grew up fishing grew up in a little boat and driving my own boat since I was 12 years old. You know, first one was a 1967 Johnson 33 horse motor. Broke down a lot, so I knew a lot about tinkering with boat motors too. And the project I went to work on right away, they uh, they had really good technicians who knew knew waterfowl and, and uh, knew a lot about the biology side of things, but they needed somebody who could drive the boat and fix the boat when it broke down. And that's really what got me that first opportunity. And then after a summer of doing it, it was amazing. Got to go out to a remote camp, live and work with a few other people, which I just love getting away from all the stresses of everyday life, getting away from all the little errands of everyday life too, of going to get groceries or taking a shower even. Um, <laughs> getting away from all that, working really hard on something that's interesting, which chasing around looking for duck nests was incredible. And and also really getting to know people really well, the people you live and work with, and, and being in this little box with people where it's really easy to be present was really cool. The following summer, I came back, worked on the same project, and um, apparently I'd done a good enough job that they hired me as a technician instead of as a volunteer, and kind of continued on with that for several years doing seasonal technician work, working with ducks and geese, and got to see some incredible places in, in Alaska. I first landed in Alaska on May 12th, and I remember landing fairly late in the evening and staying up till three in the morning and looking out and seeing it, it not getting dark and uh, just being super excited. And I remember those first couple of weeks in Alaska, not sleeping much, not because I can't sleep when it's light. I can. I. I work three jobs and a lot of night jobs and I can sleep just about any time I close my eyes, but just being so excited to do things, right? Cause I could go for a hike and it never got dark. I could go fishing at two in the morning and just go, go, go. And, and that was really incredible. At the same time, what I learned really quickly was how difficult it was to access things. I'd been used to living places with roads where I could jump in my pickup truck anywhere I was. And, and an hour was kind of a, a long drive, you know, to get get to somewhere to go hike or go fish or go hunt. And in Alaska, there just weren't very many of them on the map. So remoteness is all relative, but Arctic Arctic National Wildlife Refuge is the most remote place I've ever been. It's a it's a truly wild place. We base out of the village of Koktovik and boat down the coast. There's people living on the landscape there, but there's no real infrastructure along that coast. And the mountains of the Brooks Range loom 
from Koktovik, 50 miles to the south, as you drive to the east towards the Canadian border, they get closer and closer to the coast, and you can look out over the, the rolling fields of cotton grass to the Brooks Range in the background. And if you look to the north, nothing but steel gray water and floating ice chunks. And it's just, it's big and it's beautiful. And it's, it's, it's just an incredibly special place. It's quiet and it's calm. A lot of people when they think Arctic Refuge think of the, the grand peaks of the Brooks Range. A lot of people think about caribou or the 1002 or gas and oil development and that kind of thing too. But yeah, I think about the plains and the sea when I think about Arctic Refuge. My favorite spot up there is, is Demarcation Bay, seven miles from the Canadian border. And there's always seals in the bay and there's always fish in the bay and there's ducks and there's geese and there's caribou and I've seen brown bears and polar bears and it's um, it's an incredible place. I came to really enjoy spending time in Koktovik and Koktovik is a very special village it's within the boundaries of Arctic National Wildlife Refuge it's on the Beaufort Sea coast on an island along the Beaufort Sea coast and there aren't any other villages really nearby there's no road access to Koktovik the only way to get there is by plane. It's foggy often, so it's hard to get there by plane. All the supplies for town come in by plane, except for once a year when barge day comes and we get the big things by barge. And the people there are, are absolutely incredible. Really friendly, uh, really welcoming, generous people. And there's about 275 people that live in town. And um, you know, I, I worked as a technician for Fish and Wildlife Service for several summers out of Koktovik and got some opportunities to go back in the winters and in the spring and do some work via snow machine and just really grew to appreciate the pace of life, the values people held, living a subsistence lifestyle and, and, um, and also seeing the changes occurring with high-speed internet and everybody having a cell phone all of a sudden. So I'd been there for several summers working there and Arctic Refuge was really looking for a full-time ranger to be stationed in Koktovik. And when I saw that opportunity, I, I jumped at it. I do like wildlife a lot, but I really actually like people a lot better. And working with people and helping come up with solutions to conflicts between people is is what really gets me excited. And so I started kind of shifting from this biological side of things into this more management and people management side of things with fish and wildlife. And it's what I really care about. I, I like to think more about a place like Selvik Refuge where I'm at now. And we see a lot of that conflict here too. A lot of the conflict here right now is centered on hunters. Hunters from all over flying in to want to go hunt caribou and local hunters whose families live off of caribou, subsist off of caribou. And there's a lot of sort of traditional knowledge about how caribou move and why they move and where they move. And those traditional knowledge holders know that the way caribou are hunted affects their migration. And so to see hunters from outside without that knowledge coming in and hunting in a different way, it creates conflict. And the caribou just simply aren't going to the same places they always have been. 
One of those reasons potentially being this conflict with, with uh, outside hunters, but also we've got climate change. People here haven't, didn't ask for any of this, right? So the people in the villages, they're forced to just make do as best they can and oftentimes without much voice at all. The refuge staff make a real effort in everything they do to include local communities in two ways, in, in providing what knowledge we have and what information we have to people locally, and also really actually listening to the local knowledge, the traditional ecological knowledge, but just also local knowledge that people have, and actually being willing to use it when it's been shared with us. Spending time in Koktovik, spending time in a village, really changed my perspective of refuges and the National Wildlife Refuge System. I think when I started, I thought of refuges as sort of preserves away from people, something that was established for wildlife, wild places. And after living in Koktovik, I realized that all the refuges in Alaska are people's homes. People have lived on them for thousands and thousands of years. They're not these untouched landscapes that I thought they were. So I saw more of the value in refuges for preserving people's homes and serving people that live on them now and will continue to live on them forever. Probably well past, who knows, maybe well past the time of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, they'll be somebody's home. This has been My Life Wildlife, a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Region, Office of External Affairs. Producers, Lisa Hupp and Chris Pacheco. Produced and story edited by David Hoffman for Citizen Race Car, audio editing, sound design, and original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Artwork by Michelle Lawson. In Alaska, the employees of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service are shared stewards of world-renowned natural resources and our nation's last true wild places. The lands and waters of this place we call home nourish a vast and unique array of fish, wildlife, and people. Our hope is that each generation has the opportunity to live with, live from, discover, and enjoy the wildness of this awe-inspiring land and the people who love and depend on it.